Milner. Can he tee up someone in red? And he goes towards Lundgren. Welcome back to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand, and I have uh, Matt Hartgrove, who's in a shower right now. Hey, what's up? <laughs> and Logan Stump. Yeah, that's me. I'm dry, though. Logan showered before the show, so he's all, <laughs> he's all good to go. <laughs> um, how's everybody doing? We got some time to kill before we go over this stuff, because it is... Uh, only one week worth of stuff. You don't have to preview anything. Uh, how has your week been, Logan? It's been good. I feel uh, I'm a very happy person this week um, for mentions outside of the show, probably. But um, feeling really good about this week. But I, I, I think the question should be, how are you feeling, Jordan, since your MLS team d- decided to go A-ham a- and just go absolutely nuts this year? Uh, it. I, I'm Cloud Nine, not the Superstore <laughs> Cloud Nine, but yes, I'm on Cloud Nine. Uh, we'll we'll be talking about it on the next Stateside Soccer Show. But yes, the Philadelphia Union have won the MLS Supporter Shield. Uh, for people that do not know, that means the best record in the league. Uh, so it started as a fan type of uh, trophy. It was actually not created by the league; it was created by the fans uh, because fans of a team that had the best regular season and lost MLS Cup were upset and they made their own trophy and now it's been a trophy that's passed down um, every uh, every year and it was almost not uh, given this year because of some stupid ass decisions by the uh, Supporters Shield Foundation <laughs> but they reversed those due to the uh, due to the fury of online and the union now have their first ever trophy and i couldn't be there uh which sucks but uh my friend uh and he was on the show todd uh he's on he runs a union podcast he was there and uh feels it it feels great to be uh you know that was a team i never thought would after the numerous disappointments so it does feel very good and uh the supporter shield didn't get there in time, so they actually took somebody's Captain America shield and did a vinyl decal that they put the shield on, so that way they could present it at the stadium. Uh, because so the, cool. the shield is held by the supporter groups, so it had to make its way from L.A. to Philly, and it actually arrived uh, this morning. Oh, that's so, cool. yeah, the club doesn't hold on to it. The, the supporters do. So, really cool. Uh, feels great. And uh, like I said, we'll be talking about that a lot more on the state. So if you're into domestic soccer or want to give it a try, we'll be previewing the MLS playoffs. We'll also be talking the uh, U.S. men's national team games that are coming up this week and uh, have Logan on there for that. And uh, yeah, but how are you doing, Matt, now that you're drying yourself off? How's it going over there? (laughs) It's going good. Uh, You know, just... More so excited about, uh, well, you're excited for your American, foot, uh, I guess, soccer team. And Logan and I are pretty excited about our American football It's soccer team. here, yeah. yeah. Soccer, whatever. Ooh, uh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, we're getting pretty excited about our American football team. We're not used to them being good. Uh, so they actually look like they might be pretty decent, which is, makes it a lot more fun than having just soccer to watch. Because usually... By this point, I'm kind of like, oh, well, NFL's over. Let's watch nothing but European soccer, uh, European football. But yeah, other than that, pretty good. 
Awesome. Good to hear. Good to hear. So we will, uh, I guess, get started here on uh, <clears throat> on this week in review. Uh, match week eight, is it? I'm not good at these because I don't write that down. But it's uh, uh, started on Friday, November 6th. Brighton versus Burnley, nil-nil, 12.30, result on a Friday. Uh, it's busy time at work. I did not get to catch any of this, but we all had Brighton winning this match, and that did not happen. So <laughs> Burnley get their second point of the season. I don't know if there's much else to say about this game. Do you have anything to share about this game, Logan? Um, not too much. I'm still not impressed with Burnley in any way, um, which doesn't bode well for them now that they're sitting at the in the relegation zone i don't see it going uh, very well for them in 2020 matt any thoughts on either of these teams uh at all no not really i didn't i didn't really put too much uh of an eye onto the game kind of figured it would be fairly dull uh which i was i was right on that one but both teams just look like they're going to be in a struggle for the whole year with relegation at this point. Next up was Southampton and Newcastle. Southampton continue their hot streak. They beat Newcastle 2-0. Uh, that was at 3 p.m. on Friday, November 6th. Uh, uh, Shea Adams uh, scored seven minutes in, and then Stuart Armstrong 82 minutes in. And Logan, Southampton's been impressing you lately, correct? If I read a lot of your tweets correctly. Yeah, I really like where they are, uh, especially in the attack. I, I like Shea Adams. Um, I think that he's got skills that, that make them a, a competitive side and somebody that looks like they might even challenge for some European play next year. Um, and, you know, with Danny Ings out right now, it, it's, it's tough um, for them, but I think that if any team can overcome uh, that kind of adversity, I think it, it actually might be Southampton because I think that they're aligned nicely um, to play pretty well. Kyle Walker-Peters plays fantastic football. Um, Theo Walcott looks like he's uh, been a change of pace for them. Um, just quick and on the ball, he's fantastic. James Ward-Prowse has probably been one of the surprises of the year, um, just the way that he's able to create there in the middle. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really impressed with what they've put together and to be sitting fourth right now in a, in a year that I think that anything can go, uh, I think that they could challenge for the top of the league, especially because they're not having to play all these European games in between in midweek. So, uh, I definitely like right. the way that they're headed. Uh, Matt, any thoughts on how Southampton have been playing as of late? I love watching them. I the Southampton, I love their coach. Um, obviously, I love Danny Ings. Southampton has a soft spot in my heart for giving Liverpool a lot of their best players um, for very not minimal fees <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Even Van Dyke was seventy five million, but that looks like a fairly decent steal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I love watching them play, and I think their coach has them in a really good spot that you're gonna see them. I, I think they could really challenge with these teams um, up at the top. Maybe not top four, but definitely top seven. I, you know, they should be challenging for Europa. And we get a couple of pieces maybe in January, um, preferably defensive ones. I Their defense always concerns me just a little bit. But if they bring in maybe a solid center back, solid player back there, they might really be challenging for Europa League. Um and they're going in a great direction since that what was it nine nil loss to Leicester last year. <laughs> They've like done a complete turnaround, um, and I think it's all due to their coach. He's just he's got a very Jurgen Klopp type style um, in terms of how they play and press, and it's it's just impressive watching them. All righty, moving on to Saturday, November seventh. We had uh, seven thirty a.m. We had uh, Everton versus Manchester United. That finished 3-1 to Manchester United. Uh, none of us got this one right. Logan got the winner right. I got the winner wrong, and Matt had a 1-1 draw. 19 minutes in, Everton started off promising with the Bernard goal. 
Then it's two quick Bruno Fernandez goals, 25th minute, 32nd minute. And then Edison Cavani gets his first uh, goal in the United shirt, 90 plus fifth minute. Uh, what is going on with United, Logan? They're, they're hot, they're cold, they're yes, they're no, they're in, they're out, up and down. They're that whole Katy Perry song. But what is going on with uh, Manchester United? They, they struggle against Arsenal. They play well in the Champions League. Then they, then they, didn't they just lose in the Champions League the, the other day too? Um, yeah, Istanbul. Yeah, against Istanbul, and then now uh, they beat Everton, who had a good start to the season. So, Logan, your thoughts on the Manchester United perspective? Yeah, so I think it, this one was more of I believe Everton trending the the wrong way rather than it was United playing the right way. Uh, I. You know, like you said, they're so hot and cold right now that I you, you can't really put a pulse on them if you put a finger, finger up to their throats. You can't tell exactly what's going on. Um, and I think part of that is just because there's times, even to even when they won, there were times that they're, especially early on in the game, I thought Everton came out pretty strong, but then fizzle out towards the end. But I just think that with United, they're going to struggle to score, which is really strange. But Martial hasn't been involved hardly at all. Uh, Bruno Fernandez really is the only one that's scoring for them. If you look up and down their roster, they've got guys that can score. Rashford's played pretty well in Europe, but when he comes over the, to the Premier, he's not playing as well. So, uh, you know, I think that their problem is consistency in the midfield. Um, obviously, their defense is tied up in all sorts of knots like a pretzel. But I think that with their midfield, they just don't create enough chances. They did create against Everton's defense, but I don't think Everton's defense is anything to write home about. So, it's really tough to tell still, but I, you know, United have to look at this game and go, okay, we played, we played much better in the Premier League than we had been playing, but I still want to see them play against teams and, and you know, do that consistently because they're still sitting what 13th, I think it is, uh, so 14th, not yeah. 14th, okay, so not not great, but definitely an improvement from where they were, but I think it, this speaks volumes to just where Everton might be trending down to. Yeah, Everton's have Everton has fallen to seventh uh, now. But as we said, Manchester United went up one spot since last week with that win. Even they're at ten points, seven matches played though, uh, so they do have a game in hand. Um, <clears throat> Matt, your thoughts at all on on Everton here, your crosstown rivals uh, who have fallen since their hot start. Yeah, their their depth their depth depth is a problem. Uh, you can kind of see when they Richarlison seems to be one of their obviously biggest key players because without him, they're just they're boring. They're very slow. Their midfield is incredibly slow. Decore Allen, you know, Sigerson's not what he used to be. Um, more of a free kick guy, but he they just don't have their athleticism isn't there. Um, and in terms when they face a team that has Martial and a Fernandez and a Rashford, players who can go past them and outrun, I just don't think they're they're going to be really looking at many wins in those types of games until Charleston's back or maybe they change a formation. But um, it, it just looks like they're going to probably be where they're at last year. I, I don't think you're going to see some magical year out of them. Um and honestly, they really should probably stop playing Jordan Pickford because at this point, he's more of a danger to the players than he is anything else. Um, he just doesn't he doesn't seem to have a good positioning down. He doesn't seem to make smart plays. And he just looks like he's another crazy tackle away from injuring another player at this point. And I think they have to start looking at uh, Robin Olsen, the, the backup who played uh, not this past weekend, but two weekends ago. Um, you know, he wasn't crazy good, but his, his decision-making definitely seems above what Pickford's been. Um, and I think at this point, it's almost like it's in Pickford's head, everything that's happened, and he might just need to take a, a rest for a, a bit and try to clear it. But, you know, they, they need to figure out something back there because I don't think you can go very far with that, with Pickford and goal. Yeah, and it looks like they were trying to get rid of or stop playing Pickford as much um, when he missed the other game. Uh, 
you know, Tim Howard was saying on on the show was it last week when when he missed when they rested him uh yeah. is how Carlo Ancelotti said it but uh you know Tim Howard said they don't rest you when you're playing well typically if you're a goalkeeper uh so you know it, it's supposed to light that fire uh, under them and but uh, yeah Pickford has not been the player he he once was and uh i feel like this is a usual problem with england where they have these goalkeepers that either get talked up or are just average they haven't had like a tim howard goalkeeper on the national team since i've started watching i mean the first world cup i remember with england uh, you know I, I watched 06 but i don't remember that squad like at all um but when looking at like 2010 uh, Robbie Green, uh, uh, who had the, you know, the the error on Dempsey's goal where it just bounced off his hand and into the goal from way out, and they had like, what Jack Butland, I think, but he hasn't really done much recently. He's, and then, I think he's right? right. He might be riding the bench at Palace. Or yeah. Started for Palace. But I remember people talking him up a lot. And then you got Pickford people were talking up. And I mean, I think that's part of the problem with English uh, soccer players anyway. They're, they're, their media builds them up to be the next great thing uh, as it is. But, you know, uh, they, they haven't had like a, a really, you know, the way Germany has Neuer and uh, Italy had Buffon. And like I said, USA had Tim Howard where we, you know, where these teams have had these amazing goalkeepers and uh, a lot of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League are not from England. I was say, aren't, doesn't Brazil have, isn't Ederson and Allison on Brazil? If I want to yeah, they both, yeah, so, they both yeah. are. Yeah. yeah, look at that. They're, <laughs> that's well, even, even the like United States, like talent level. Yeah, but the United States, like they, they're known for their goalkeepers. Like they, yeah. if you look at the goalkeepers we have, the depth we have in, goal, in goals, ridiculous. Well, England's got, uh, the one I want to watch England play is Dean Henderson. He had a great year for Sheffield. And to be completely honest, he really shouldn't be riding the bench at United. In my mind, he deserves obviously yeah, no, to start him over De Gea, but yeah, but you know, De Gea is on the way out. You got to get some time for yeah, him because they were talking him up. I, yeah, and I think I, I understand it from United's perspective because you obviously don't want to give him away. I mean, maybe loan him, but you know, he's he hundred percent would impress me more than than Pickford. I mean, he's just I I I don't see it. Every yeah, he makes the occasional great save, but some of these decisions. He just makes. I don't. I know Maguire slightly pushed him on that play, but at the same time, why are you? What, what was he kicking? Like he wasn't going for the ball. Like he hit him right in the midriff. There's no play on the ball whatsoever. It wasn't even close. Like that's not. You don't see top-notch goalkeepers make that kind of play. I, Allison's not going to do that. Ederson's not going to do that. You know these guys. It's it's just bad. You know he, without without a changing goalkeeper, I don't think they can finish higher than than eighth at best yeah and here's here's the english goalkeepers called in for their latest squad against new zealand here we got uh, uh we got pickford nick pope and dean henderson uh, pope had a great season last year but you know they've not been good this year um so uh we'll we'll see uh how that shapes up but um it just seems to always be a constant issue with with england and their goalkeepers uh let's see what was next it was the <clears throat> palace game right um palace versus leeds 4-1 crystal palace 10 a.m match on a saturday uh, 12 minutes in, Scott Dan takes the lead for Palace. Then 22 minutes in, uh, Ize uh, gets uh, goal number two for Palace. Uh, before that, though, we did have some controversy with Bamford equalizing. Um, called <laughs> offside due to... So this has been the same offsides call all, offside all season. Rule. And actually, this has been... Uh, they had some problems with it in other leagues this past week as well. Um but because for people to explain, P Bamford is pointing where he wants the ball. 
And that puts his arm, which now can legally play the ball, right around where the sleeve is, right where that patch, the Premier League patch is. And that was past the defender. And since he can legally play the ball with that because of the handball rule change, he is offsides. Because offsides is any part that you can play the ball with. I guess before we continue on with the rest of what happened here, anybody have any ideas on how to fix this? We talked before about daylight between the attacker and the defender. My latest thought was raise the flag if he uses that part he was offside with, right? I mean, like, if the ball comes in and when he's pointing and then he uses his arm to lower the cross, then I feel like, okay, he had an advantage because that part was past the defender. But if he's going to kick with his foot or use his head, then there was no advantage. So what would you think about that, Logan, if if, if that was the rule? that and there's no advantage to having a hand off sides like what the hell is he gonna do with his hand <laughs> he can't kick it with his hand uh, i don't get i get the handball so why not readjust the rule to where if it's an offside call any part of the arm can be offside i would say shoulder like up near his shoulder is where you can't like right where like a jerk like not a, like a tank top would be almost in a point because there's just no advantage at, at this point of somebody having an arm extended pointing about where he wants the ball because then what's he supposed to do if he's supposed to indicate hey i'm about to make this run is he just supposed to guess at that point i mean it it becomes a part of the game and and you're just doing it on instinct and now and you saw it in the liverpool and city game where joao Cancelo does the same thing He, he but he runs like with his arms behind him but then that slows him down as a defender because he's all so you're starting to get into these weird like moments of like the attackers don't know what to do the defenders don't know what to do and i i think the best rule like what you said jordan is proposing this you know this clear and obvious like advantage of like if there's a window in front of him where it was a clear advantage then that's offsides if it wasn't and i know that gets you know you know subjective but i think that that's something that um you know you can't really you know, there's nothing you can really do to fix it at this point except call it because it is by law a offsides call because his arm's offside. But again, no clear advantage. Just like there's no clear fouls in VAR, like you, you got to have some kind of evidence that that it was clear. Um, I think you have to have the same with offsides. It's just this is it's getting ridiculous, honestly. Matt, what would you think of if the rule changed to either? I, we, we, I know we talked about the the daylight rule before, but what if it is a change of Okay, your arm is offside or your foot is offside, but if you use that part that was offside, that's when they raise the flag. You know, they're already holding on to waving the flag anyway. So then when you're reviewing it, be like, yes, maybe his toe was offside, but his left toe wasn't, and that's what he used. You know, like, couldn't something like that work? Yeah, I think there is an issue with, with taking the rule taking the rule so black and white you know there and i understand like that's it's in the rule book and this is how it's supposed to be called but for for items like offsides and you know handballs i know there's a a few handballs that happen throughout the weekend as well there just needs to be a gray area where common sense just needs to be in play here you know there these are natural things of an athlete does, you know, he's naturally going to put his hand out to point where he wants the ball. And it just so happens, you know, in his head, there's no way he's thinking I'm pointing and, but I got to make sure I kind of keep my arm in a little because, you know, if I'm pointing that too far out, maybe it's going to get caught off sides. This isn't going through their heads. They're doing what comes natural and what they've been taught and right. what they did growing up. And so when you, you take that aspect away from it, it's, it makes it harder not only to, in a way, watch the game, but even to understand it. You know, you listen to the announcers, and, you know, these guys have announced games for years and years and years, and even they can't really sit there and go, they go, like, I, they don't even want to talk about it half the time. They don't want to continue talking about it because they're like, this is not what I would call. This is not how it should be. This is ruining the game. It's... There needs to be some gray areas, begin, like starting to formulate because there's, it's just really bad, you know. 
the Bamper one, that one, that was, that was way worse than anything with the Mane one because, you know, Mane was standing there, but Bamford is trying to do something that mm-hmm. every footballer does, I'm, I'm sure, as they grow up, you know, especially as a striker, they, they want the ball. He's going to point, he's like, hey, pass it to me here. And I just don't think you can take that away from, from players. And then at that point, you have to just, they really have to take a look into the rule book and figure out a way to take those black and white lines and start to, to gray them out just a little bit because it's going to have to start coming down to did this help, like what you guys said, you know, did this actually help him? Did he, he didn't touch the ball with his shoulder. You know, the feet, maybe you can kind of be a little different because that, I feel like that one's a little harder, but especially with the arm, if, if he didn't chest it down and it hit that specific part, there's nothing about that that's advan- that's being an advantage to the player, and they need to look at it and change it for something because it's it's hard to celebrate even as a fan because you have to kind of sit there and go, I don't know, like because every time they go to VAR for offsides, I almost assume it's 100% offsides. <laughs> I rarely see VAR. Whenever they have that purple screen up, it's like always 100% getting changed, it seems like. And then at that point, as a fan, you all your excitement goes away. The players are getting angry. It's just they need to change it. Yeah, I definitely agree that there's there has to be a change. Um, um, so I guess we'll see how it goes. I know when we talk about the handballs and stuff that uh, UEFA is asking FIFA for some leniency in calling those. Uh, they're hoping to get, I guess, some sort of uh, ruling where they can favor situations like um, like some of the handballs that we'll see. Um, we had P- Bamford, you know, uh, actually get a real goal. Uh, stood 27 minutes in to make it 2-1. Then we get an own goal uh, 42 minutes in for Costa. And then Jordan Ayew, 70 minutes in for Palace to make it 4 one, Logan, do you know where I'm going to go with this here? Yes, you, I know where you're going with it. Please don't attack me. <laughs> you, uh, look, guys, uh, I am just, I'm just playing devil's advocate for all the people that listen to what we say, and they're probably screaming at their computers or their phones as they're driving, and say. Hey, didn't Logan say Crystal Palace would be relegated this year? Yeah, them along with Sheffield, who I claim would be a team that would be up there in the top of the table. Yes. But look, look where we are now. <laughs> uh, they need to stop the count. It's really getting unfair. Um, but <laughs> no, I, I'm impressed. I, I am. But again, I, I still hang on to the very words that Matt always says, that Crystal Palace seem to go through these stretches where they play well, and then like disaster hits and tears them through. And they can't come back and fix it because Roy Hodgson's is about 90. So I think that just his adjustments aren't there anymore. But I, I will tell you, if Will if Wilfred Zaha keeps playing the way he does, he is, uh, then they've got a good chance to to absolutely crush me. And their fans can have their have their way with anything that I've said because now I just look like an idiot at this point. <laughs> Leeds is down to 15th. Uh, they're they're you know they're seven points above safety right now. But is there any reason to worry, Matt? That maybe uh, or do you think they'll be safely into the next season? For Leeds, yeah, yeah, they're safe. I think the one thing with this team is that they're going to have results like this based off of how they play. Um, you know, Palace isn't the most attack-minded team, but how open Leeds. With how open Leeds is, they're going to run into these occasional games where they they will get blown out. It's just going to happen with them still learning the Premier League style of play and taking what they did in the championship and bringing it to the Premier League. They're they're going to be teams that are able to run riot on them occasionally, and it's just the growing pains. They're 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 not they're not top ten, but they're definitely not relegation. They're gonna they're gonna be in that ten to fourteen range by the end of the year. Um, and, you know, if they continue to improve signings, they'll get into that top 10. But right now, it's it's just one of those growing pains for a team that's so open like Leeds. Because um, next week, they might go in and defeat whoever they're playing, or two weeks, 5-0. Five, five 
uh, with how attack minded they are and things go right. They, they won't give up many goals. However, if a team is firing and they're playing at least above average attack, they're probably going to struggle a little bit that game, which is what happened with Palace. After that, we had Chelsea versus Sheffield at 12.30 on Saturday. Uh, this uh, this game, nine minutes in, McGoldrick <laughs> scores for Sheffield, and I'm like, oh, no, here we go. Uh, 23 minutes in, though, Tammy Abraham scores. Then 34 minutes in, Chilwell scores, which feels like his, his 100th goal in the Chelsea shirt. I feel like he's scored a, a, quite a few. Uh, 76-0 Silva scores, and then Timo Werner scores 80 minutes in. Uh, to make it 4-1. That's actually three brand-new signings from the window uh, getting on the score sheet for Chelsea. Uh, Sheffield, you know, is in the relegation zone. I don't take much from this match. Do you take anything from this match, Logan? I do. Uh, I take the fact that Chelsea, like Matt and I, have been harping on, and Jordan seems to be the one that wants to be a little bit more cautious because it's his club. But I think that when you look at this, the way that Sheffield played against Liverpool and City and, and seemed to lock them up pretty good on the attack, um, Chelsea just had their way with them. It was unbelievable. I mean, it, it watching the highlights and then watching this back again, uh, it was like Chilwell constantly. It was Zayich constantly. It, I mean, just the attacks. And, and Tammy Abraham played really well. Uh, just unbelievable attack from the midfield, from the top. I mean, it, it <laughs> it's really scary because I do think as Chelsea does start to get more comfortable on the defense, the more dangerous they become for teams that, that'll sit at the top, like City and Liverpool and Leicester. And it looks like Aston Villa will be around somewhere. But I, I think that, you know, the more dangerous Chelsea looks, it's a little bit more threatening for Matt and I on the other side going, oh, crap, now we've got another team to worry about. Yeah, I still don't think you have much to worry about. Matt, uh, any worry here about Chelsea? Uh, do, do they scare you still? Or? Um, I, I mean, they still scare me, but not, not for reasons about with this game. I think, I, I think Chelsea had a – Chelsea's style of play I think just works a little bit better against Sheffield's style of defense. I know it sounds odd, but – I. Maybe Jordan, you might know more, but I, I always you mean like Chelsea, playing no defense for Sheffield. You mean I think it, <laughs> Chelsea seemed to be a lot more quick and and more quick on the ball than the other two. Like Liverpool are much more physical in a sense. Mane and Salah are very physical players, where I think Chelsea rely more on speed and quickness and and their attack. You know, Werner is that's kind of how he plays. Zayek seems a little bit like how he plays. He's I just think they had a better style of play to really go into the game that I don't think Sheffield could handle. I think Chelsea just have a, a quicker team and Sheffield are much slower and that does work well for teams like Liverpool and, and City's a little bit more physical as well. Um, and so I, I obviously Chelsea played really well, but I don't think this kind of game really would concern me. I think if they went out and, you know, beat a team such as Arsenal form one or, you know, the, one of these teams that are a little bit higher up, I would think that. But I just think this is a game that Chelsea, their style of play was just too much for a team like Sheffield. Well, watching Liverpool and, like, City play, the the reason why Chelsea scares me is watching those two play um, is just the fact that, one, Liverpool seems to be a team that likes to press you constantly, constantly, constantly. And, and I don't think you can press Chelsea as well. I, I don't see where... When they get Pulisic well, back and they have Havertz back and they try to press every single one of them, it's going to be a nightmare and a half to have to chase all those little fast dudes around the pitch. And then against City, you saw what the fast top two could do for Liverpool. They just tore them to pieces. So it's it's that's what concerns me about Chelsea is the fact that their attack is just so good that I think it does pose threats to, to Liverpool and, and City. Well, I... You know, I, I, I agree with you on a, a part of that, but I, I think the other thing is that a team, especially like Liverpool or City, you know, Liverpool are definitely more press-minded. I think that plays into Liverpool's hands a little bit more than, I, you know, Liverpool also have a quicker defense. They're, you know, Robertson and Trent are much, probably faster than anyone on Sheffield's attack. 
Um, and same but they're with, not really you know, defenders. City, <laughs> they have they got Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker's fat, uh, quick. Cancelo's quick. You know, I I don't think Chelsea definitely caused problems with their attack, but I think the better the team with a bit more of a play style that attacks the ball, I think is definitely something Chelsea will have trouble with more so than a team that kind of sits back and tries to out man out physical you, which is why I think Sheffield isn't a good matchup. Um, in turn, I don't think Chelsea's a good matchup for Sheffield because I think it's just bad. But a team like Liverpool, I, I you know, I definitely know why Sheffield was a bit of a concern in my head because of just how the physicality isn't was is something that plays into Sheffield's hands. So I don't know. It, I, you know, it, it, I'm kind of in the middle on it, really. Jordan might have more. Well, I would just say if you look at the Chelsea Liverpool match, uh, Chelsea barely had the ball. <laughs> So I think you can press them and yeah, it can work very well. And they uh, didn't have a defense either. So you're trying to play. You're trying to play on the attack the whole time and hope that Christensen or what the hell his name was doesn't tackle field or open field tackle the attackers. <laughs> yeah, I so guess that, that that was kind of a toss up. That you didn't have hardly anybody playing. Zayac wasn't around. Havertz was just barely playing and he's still hurt. Ha- you know. And I think that Werner is getting better by the minute. And then Pulisic, you know, can create so much. And when he's missing, that's, you know, that's a big problem. But uh, Chelsea just looks scary, in my opinion. All I hear is excuses from you on why they played bad against Liverpool. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I do do think Liverpool is clearly the better team in the whole league. But I do think that Chelsea is a lot closer than you want to give them credit for. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Uh, West Ham won Fulham nil. This took until the 90 plus one minute for Socek to score for West Ham. Even with this loss, Fulham still not in the relegation zone anymore. I love Fulham. (laughs) Uh, Anything to really say about this? West Ham, you know, of course, they score. They're they're looking uh, pretty decent so far. They're up in uh, 12th. Yeah. Can we talk about the penalty? Because that was like the worst penalty I've ever seen in my life. I know what he was trying to do, but the Lookman penalty that he that he tried to oh, chip yeah, and yeah, decided. Yeah. I, th- I think he was deciding whether he wanted to go full Salah on it or if he wanted to just try to chip it and be cute about it. But they, the Scott Parker did not like the way that he. Uh, <laughs> I've never heard a manager go nuts in a in a press conference about like how bad a penalty was. But he was pretty. Uh, he was pretty unpleased with the... Man, why would you let down that handsome man? I mean, what no, is your so problem? Yeah, I, don't I don't get it. You can't, you can't disappoint Dad like that. It's just, <laughs> uh, any, any thoughts, Matt, on, on Fulham or uh, West Ham before we move on to the Sunday matches? <laughs> no, not really. I didn't even didn't really get to watch the game. I saw the, the penalty kick, and, and that's just... That it's that's going to be the type of year for Fulham. That penalty kick is a complete encapsulation of what their season will probably end up being by the end of it. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Sunday, November eighth. That's my friend David's birthday. West Brom nil. Tottenham uh, Hotspurs uh, get. 1, 7 a.m., 88 minutes in, Kane scores. This feels like a week of a lot of 1-0 games that finish in the last few minutes of the match. Um, But Harry Kane scores again, uh, and Jose's men keep on riding. They're up to second right now. They are only one point behind first place. Uh, They've really turned it on since the beginning of the season. But, you know... Really, Tottenham can win 4-1. They can win 1-0. They can get a draw. I feel like they're hitting everything. that they, I think they have a really good shot at being uh, first or second in the league if they keep up this type of discipline and, and, and uh, form. Um, how about you, Matt? Do you think Tottenham have a really good shot at bringing home the title? Yeah. Uh... I, I don't, I don't think they have a good shot at bringing home the title. I think 
they definitely have a really good shot with how crazy the season's been to remain in that top four area. I just don't think they have the type of team that can go in and defeat the, the best of the teams. I, I just can't see it. I know Kane is playing well. Sun is playing well. But in a way, I one, don't really trust those two are going to remain healthy all year. They don't tend to. Um, and at the same time, when they rely so heavily, sometimes I feel like if you rely so heavily on you know one or two players, you have to have everything go right for that season to end up being what you want it to be, you know, challenging for a title. Obviously, is what Tottenham's going for. You know, they're one of the big six, so they're going to – they want the title. But I just I, – I don't see it yet. I don't really have much faith. Their midfield is also just, you know, starting Sissoko, you know, in Dombele has not exactly been the greatest signing. I just don't see it, you know. it. Just looking at their team, there's you got Gareth Bell. They just they don't really stick out to me besides Kane and Son. And even then, I I just assume at some point, especially Kane, he's probably going to be hurt for a good two to three months. And at that point, I don't really see where they go from there. And they they just don't have the type of team that I think can go to the top teams and and take points off of them. Um, even with Ho- even with Jose as coach, I just I don't see it. I. You know, especially struggling here against West Brom. Not probably the best game. You know, it looked like the conditions were a little odd, too. But they're so hit or miss. They're, they're like a, a bit more of a competitive Manchester United. You know, they, they have games where they look amazing. And then they go midweek and lose to... Who did they lose to? What was it? Was it Antwerp or someone? Yeah, yeah. Antwerp. <laughs> I just think they're they're just like a more they're a more impressive United where their their wins are crazy good but their losses are even more head scratching and I I just don't think you can win a title with that inconsistency. Uh, how about uh, how about you, Logan? Any any shot at all for Tottenham to win the title? Shot, yeah. Uh, I don't think it's very big. <laughs> I think it's uh, with Leicester playing the way that they are. With Liverpool getting ready to play the way they are, um, Chelsea, Everton, Aston Villa, Southampton playing the way that they are, and Tottenham, like Matt said, just the inconsistency of it all, uh, whereas the other teams have been pretty stable and on par for what they've been doing this year. I, I don't see where that, you know, like Matt said, when they win, they win big, and like you said, they can score, and then there's games where they can score one and then win. I don't. I'm not convinced that Harry Kane and Son can keep doing what they're doing. And when they're not doing anything, then Tottenham's not really doing anything. I think that they just—they're so involved in the attack that if those two aren't going anywhere, and I don't see Gareth Bale being like what he was, he's going to be helpful, but I don't think he's going to be anything magnificent. But I, I do think that as Son and Kane are slowed down, I, and with the games the way that they are and the injuries that are happening the way that they are. Um, I just don't see Tottenham being anybody that can handle an injury or anybody that can handle um, any kind of adversity uh, that some of the bigger clubs can do that are above them. So I think that, you know, Tottenham's kind of on that cusp of challenging for, you know, five or four maybe, but I guess we'll see. All right, moving on to... Leicester City, one, Wolves, nil, 9 a.m. We had Jamie Vardy score 15 minutes in. Um, that one was a penalty, right? Yeah, that's the only way they score now. Yeah, and then and then we had a 39 minutes in, a missed penalty from Jamie Vardy as well. Um, so... 1-0 is how it finished. Jamie Vardy climbing up the sco- goal-scoring uh, golden boot, as we'll talk about after we're done recapping this. But Leicester City, they're in first place. Matt, can the next team that does a Leicester City and win the title be Leicester City? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think they, they're probably top of the list on a team that could, you know, could pull a Leicester City, especially... It's a good thing they're named Leicester City as well, or that would be uh, makes it easier. <laughs> yeah, it makes it a lot easier. But they're definitely they're a good team. They 
Rodgers has things going on the right path. Uh, their attack with Vardy and Barnes and Tielemans and um, I can't think of the name of the the one guy they signed. Is it under? Is it, I think is his name. Yeah, Max Max Under. Yeah, they're they have they have a solid attack. Their midfield. They got James Madison. Uh, I know I mentioned Tielemans. Um, I believe they have Indidi. I don't know if he's been playing as much, but I'm, I'm always impressed when he plays. And they they look good. Um, I think their biggest test or start of their biggest tests coming up. Um, Liverpool tend to play them incredibly well. They tend to struggle against Liverpool. I don't know if it's a Rodgers against Liverpool type of thing, but I think it'll be a big game for them because last year we were looking at them the same way we are now as title contenders. And Liverpool went in on Boxing Day and played probably their best game of last season in that 4-0 win. Um, so it'll be kind of interesting to see after this break how that game goes. You know, obviously a lot of conditions are different, but you know, I think this is it. This is the type of test they need if they go in and Liverpool dominate another game. I, I think you're not looking at title contenders, um, just because it kind of proves they they still can't get past certain big games. Um, but they look really good right now. Their defense has been playing great. I know um, they've even had some injury issues because I know uh, Soyun Chu has been out. Um, you know, they lost Chilwell to signing, then they brought in, his name is impossible for me to say, always Castagne. I think he's been <laughs> out in, with injuries. So they, they've even been dealing with this and still coming out with these good results against teams. And it'll be fun to watch them. They could definitely put top four. I, You know, I know last year they wanted top four, and this year they, they're looking like that again. And let's just hope Rodgers can kind of finish the job at this point, something that he's always struggled to do. Next up was the big match for you guys, uh, which was Manchester City, Liverpool. No, (laughs) yeah, sorry. Uh, No, Uh, Manchester City versus Liverpool. That one finished 1-1, 11.30 on Sunday. Uh, I had a 2-2 draw, so I had the the right idea here. And Matt said without Thiago, it would be a 2-2 draw. But then right before, guys, you missed this. Right before, he texts me, saying it's going to be a 5-5 draw. So Matt was really off. <laughs> um, and then we have uh, Logan had a city win. Okay, he was delusional. But we had 13 minutes <laughs> in. <laughs> 13 minutes in, Mo Salah gets a penalty kick uh, to make it 1-0 for Liverpool. Then 31 minutes in, uh, Jesus scores uh, to make it 1-1. And then 42 minutes in, we had another handball call. Kevin De Bruyne steps up and uh, does something he usually doesn't do. He missed uh, by a, quite a lot. And it was actually uh, the first miss on, like, the first missed penalty kick in the Premier League since 2018 of them totally missing the target. Not like a block, not like hitting the post or anything. It was like totally missing everything. This was the first one since like October of 2018. And the last person to do that was Riyad Mahrez. (laughs) Yeah. It's a city thing. Uh, It's a city thing. (laughs) Um, So we'll start with you, Logan. Are you happy with the result? Are you happy with how they played? Uh, What needs to change here? Um, we need a new manager. No, um, I, I think there's some decisions that I just, it, it seems like a habit now. I, it, there seems to be a habit of Pep making, and it's not like a huge decision, but it's one that affects the game. And, you know, when when Liverpool did come out with the attacking side that they did with four attacking players, it seemed, um, I was a little concerned because I was. This was the first test for City defense that, that had been shaky to start, but they they did pretty well. The first ten minutes were a little rocky, but I think that was just trying to get up with the pace with having Firmino and and Salah and them running at them as quickly as they because City hadn't really played much of an attack lately. So I think that that took some time of adjustment. But I think that the one decision that that really just I continue to be confused by. I don't know if. It's just like fitness or if it's just Pep's preference, but he keeps going with Gundogan over Phil Foden. And I don't, and Foden has been our best player for like the last month, he and Sterling. So I don't know what, what the deal with that was. And then 
they were going to bring him on six minutes, uh, you know, left in the game or something like that. But then he went and sat back down because it just there was no pause in play. And I don't know, he, he wasn't happy. But um, but again, it's it's City's decisions to try to be ultra defensive, which is not their thing. They have never been uh, a team that just camps out and, and plays that defensive game. Um, but with Gundogan and Rodri, who played in like a, a midfield, but they were almost like pushed forward. So then Liverpool's attackers were running all through that midfield area, all over Rodri and, and Gundogan, and, and they're both not quick. Um, and I'm surprised if, if Fernandinho would have been in there, then we probably would have Fernandinho and Gundogan playing, which would have been even more of a nightmare. But um, I, I don't like just some of the decisions and lately just are really starting to frustrate me because they're just piling up. And when people say, Oh, Pep's a great manager. Okay. Yeah. He, he won the premier league, but now he's kind of just run this stagnant, like, you know what? We're complacent. We're where we are. We were, we're content. We're, we're the second best team in the premier league. Um, but I, you know, I think we had opportunities to win. I think that like Matt will probably say, I think it was a much bigger game for city to try to grab three back. Uh, rather than, you know, only getting the one and staying pretty even keel. And we, even with the game in hand, we'd be three points off the top still. So not not the not the best outcome. Definitely was an exciting first half, horrible second half. But I think that that has a lot to do with just fatigue. And it, it looked like a bunch of tired, wet uh, football players that just didn't want to be out there in the second half. And they were both OK with just taking the one point and moving on. Matt, your thoughts on how Liverpool played and if you're happy with the 1-1 result. Yeah, I, as a fan, I would look at that game and go, that's one that taking a draw is a really good result. They don't tend to win at the Etihad, and you know it's it's always going to be a tough game over there. And I, like Logan said, it, I think that game w- was much bigger for City than it was for Liverpool in terms of getting the three points. I mean... Looking at results last year, technically Liverpool gained a point based off of this year. Um, you know, last year losing 4-0. Uh, so it, it is definitely, for a Liverpool fan, you look at that and go, no Thiago, no Fabinho, no Van Dijk, no uh, losing Trent in the 60th minute, having Milner play right back, I think really affected the attack in the game. I, I know that they were looking like they struggled a little bit in that second half with the conditions and, and general fatigue looked like it started to set in, but losing Trent, the big part of the attack. Um, so in, in terms of it, Liverpool, I'd definitely take that result. Um, it, it just looked like a game where they, you know, both teams had their moments, but they, they always play each other. Well, I don't think there's ever a game with city where I'm not, extremely concerned every time De Bruyne touches the ball because he just knows how to pass it. Uh, I don't enjoy watching Jesus because he always scores against Liverpool. Um, so nothing about the goal really surprised me. It honestly looked like a great goal too. Um, but yeah, I mean, as Liverpool brought out that top four with Jota, Firmino, Mane, Salah. That was crazy to see in the lineup. You know, not Fans didn't know how to react. This was not something many of us even expected to see it was more so is it going to be Joda or Firmino and then Klopp goes out and picks both uh, which is jokingly which is why I sent the 5-5 because I was like I don't know where the defense is coming from <laughs> with this lineup but man they might score a ton of goals uh, but it, they actually they looked like they played really well together and it, it wouldn't shock me if that becomes somewhat of a formation in these big games because Klopp likes to take risks what bigger risk is there than going to the Etihad against the team you are consistently looked at as competing against the last few years for the, the Premier League? Um, and it, it, I think it worked out great, and I, I would not be shocked to see that lineup. Maybe Henderson and Tiago, I think, is what you're probably wanting to look at more so if they ever do this again. Um, so hopefully he gets back healthy. But, you know, I, you got, I take it 100%. There was nothing... Really nothing about the game. I would sit there and think Liverpool, you know, maybe they're finishing a few times could have been a little better, but I just think this is, it shows that, you know, Leicester had that big game against City with all those penalties, but I I think this was a result that Liverpool needed uh, to show that they've already gone through a tough part of their schedule. You know, they've already 
gone to Chelsea, they've gone to City, they've gone to what was the other another team. I don't know why I'm forgetting Liverpool's games. You know, they've already played Arsenal. They played uh, they've, Aston Villa pretty well too. <laughs> um yeah, they they've played some of these top teams. They went to Everton, which is a game that I always as a fan I hate I hate when they go to Goodison. Um, but they've already played some top teams here and after Leicester, and I believe after Leicester, they played Tottenham or Wolves. Actually, it's Wolves. They do start to get a little easier of a schedule. So it'd be, um, I just think with that hard part of the schedule out of the way and being a point off the top uh, with all these injuries, I, I, it really looks like things are, it really can't go any further, any way else but up for them at this point, it feels like. And I, I think that shows them how dangerous they are to the rest of the league. Yeah, I would I would say you guys played all right. Uh, <laughs> I only got to watch the first half of this game though, so I, I got to see the the awfully shanked penalty. Uh, you got, I got to watch well, a good half. Yeah, I got I got to watch everything. It's a great half, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, Arsenal nil, Aston Villa three was the two fifteen game. Twenty five minutes in, Saka own goal uh, scores for Villa there. 72 minutes in, Ali Watkins scores for Villa. And then 75 minutes in, Watkins scores for Villa, assisted by Jack Grealish. Logan, give us your thoughts on Jack Grealish. And uh, for people that don't know, he sent us a text saying City should buy him. But (laughs) give us your thoughts. You've been really impressed by him this season. Yeah, he's been... Uh, he's been their success. I, I think that he he is the person that you know everybody's got that one player that that gets the the squad rolling and and he's definitely the one for for Villa. I think that just his ability to create uh, an open space. I mean, there's times where it's just methodical to watch, and I was watching highlights again because I just really like watching him play. Um, and he he stands outside the box, just peering into the box, looking for what his next move is going to be and keeping the ball at his feet. He's just so calm and collected. And, you know, I'm just impressed with the way that he's been able to to just orchestrate everything that, that is going on in their attack. Um, and I do think that it helps having Ross Barkley, Trezeguet, or whatever, you, however you pronounce his name, um, have been fantastic. And then adding Ollie Watkins to that, that you know, top spot up in the striker position with the three of them playing the way that they are, um, I have. I've just been uh, really impressed with what what they've done, and especially with what Grealish has done. He's got four goals and five assists in just seven matches, um, and he's physical. He's got the mentality that he needs. I think he just signed a contract, so my city uh, dreams are probably not there. But they were there were talks earlier in the year about bigger clubs looking to swipe in and uh, see if they could make an offer for him, and I, I think he'd. Yeah, you know he's justified a, a big fee um, for for Villa if they ever do want to sell him. But <clears throat> again, I think that as long as he's going the way he's going, Villa will continue to be successful. But um, you know, I think where they are right now might be a stretch. But I am I'm, I'm really impressed with the way that he's played. Um, Matt, any thoughts on Aston Villa or Arsenal? I know you are one of the big leaders in the chorus of uh, Arsenal is boring. I mean, am, am I wrong? <laughs> Arsenal are... Nope. God. I, you know, again, it, I, I could see being a fan of them so incredibly frustrating as they, they go and defeat Manchester United on one of Manchester United's lows at Manchester United, which is a huge result for Arsenal, and then to come back and basically just you know, really crap the bed against Villa. And it's not even like they're playing a a type of game where they're getting unlucky or they're missing chances. You know, none of their players are getting chances. Aubameyang, I saw at this point, non-penalty-wise throughout the year, he's got like a a XG of 0.5 throughout every single one of his games. And he's on pace to have like 2.56, I think I read. And... For him, you know, it's not. They're they're just they don't have any creativity. You know, they're even when you have players like Aubameyang and Lacazette, and they're not even getting shots on goal. 
They're not even attempting these types. They're not creating chances. It's it's just going to be a long, long game for them. And that's what's been happening here. And it, Williams looked incredibly awful. Um, so a little happy Liverpool didn't sign him because I kind of wanted him. Uh, but I think Arteta needs to really look at it and try to figure something out here in the next few weeks to maybe change formations, bring in maybe a different player, make a couple different, you know, bench a few guys and try to just just switch things up to a point where you take a risk because if he doesn't, I don't think their style is going to change for the rest of this year. All righty. Well, that wraps up the games here. So let's go ahead and uh, talk about the current top four. We've made references to it all, all episode here. Number one in first place here is Leicester with 18 points and nine gold differential. In second, we have Tottenham Hotspur, 17 points with a 10 gold differential. Then we have Liverpool in third with 17 points and a two gold differential. And in fourth is Southampton with 16 points and a four gold differential. Then in fifth, you have Chelsea, sixth, you have Villa, seventh, Everton. Uh, City is all the way in 10th. Arsenal's in 11th. So, you know, they're both boring, I guess. Uh, all the way in 10th? <laughs> Damn, it could sound like it's so far away. It is. It's it's pretty much hey, uh, we would be at, halfway. We have the same amount of points halfway. as you did. We would have You're the same halfway. amount of points. Chelsea, you chill out. have one more goal scored than uh, Arsenal. Hey, easy. Okay. <laughs> We're fine. It's fine. Just look away. Bottom... Of the table, we have Sheffield United 20th uh, place with one point and a minus 10 goal differential. We have Burnley in 19th with uh, two points and a minus nine goal differential. 18th place, we have West Brom. They're with three points and a negative 11 goal differential. Then we have Fulham in 17th with four points. Uh, We have United still down in 14th. Uh, you know, battling it out for relegation there, survival. Um, and we have golden boot winners here so far. We have four people tied with eight goals. We have Calvert-Lewin. Uh, we have Son, we have Salah, and we have Jamie Vardy, all with eight goals. My pick is still nowhere to be found. Aubameyang, where are you? <laughs> In Arsenal, he's never going to score again. Where are you? Where is he? Let me see if he's on the list. Right, I think he's got here. like two, maybe. He might have two or three goals. He's He has, uh, it's probably two. because I Yeah, two. He's in 45th place. <laughs> I think that's where our top goal scorer is for City as well, so don't laugh. Uh, I mean, Timo Werner already has four. Uh, that's crazy. Kurt Zuma has three. <laughs> Chilwell has two. <laughs> Uh, Foden's at 38. It looks like he's ahead with two goals. Do you, oh no, Heck yeah. Jesus, Jesus with two at 30. Oh yeah, that's right. He's, got, yeah. he's in 31st. I don't think I see another city player until yeah. So no, you definitely don't. They don't score goals anymore. Rounding out seventh place, you know, in fifth place is Bamford with seven. Harry Kane's in sixth place with seven, and from there it's us. You know, it gets less and less from there. But uh, pretty pretty big four-way race here so far for um, Golden Boot. So should be a good season. Uh, we don't have games coming up yet until, was it the 20, 20th? The 21st, I think. So we'll, we'll talk about those sometime before we... Um, before those happen again. Yeah, there's no game on that Friday. So they come back all on the 21st, it looks like. Um, unless if they change some of these dates around, which they may. Because there looks to be a lot of 10 a.m. games, and that hasn't happened for a while. So maybe they'll change that. I'm not sure. But yeah, that, that about wraps us up. Like I said, we're going to have coverage of the U.S. men's national team friendlies. That's going to be on Stateside Soccer Show. We're going to put those on uh, here and then, uh, yeah, we'll be back for the next round of games, and that about wraps it up. So uh, thank everybody for listening, and have a great rest of your week. Enjoy this international break, and enjoy watching the U.S. men's national team play for the first time since, like, 
February. So it should be a good one. Catch you all next time. Kane has stolen him to death. That's what he's there for. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show and listen to us recap the English Premier League from our perspective. We'll also be talking some Champions League and any other leagues that impact world soccer.